Hello and welcome back to Bourbon Barrel Talk. This is Scott Minton, your host, and uh, today we are at the Spirits of French Lick with uh, Mr. Alan Bishop, and uh, he is our guest host for today. How are you doing today, Alan? Good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. So uh, spent the first part of the morning here today walking around the facility and checking out all of the awesome equipment within the distillery. We talked about making the beer, how it goes through the distillation process, and what you all do that's kind of unique and if you don't mind just walk us through a little bit of that and uh, tell us what makes French Lick unique. Yeah so we're we're kind of the uh, little distillery that could basically that's what I like to call us anyways so um, we started here in April 2016 distilling uh, we're kind of an outgrowth of the uh, French Lick winery started by um, the Doty family uh, Indiana finally kind of got their act together somewhere around 2014 and allowed for uh, basically farm distilleries to get started up again after uh, 100 years of prohibition and temperance and all that fun stuff. So um, I was previously employed across the river in Louisville, Kentucky at a, a brandy distillery. I uh, was there for a couple of years and got the call to come over here to uh, the right side of the river and Hoosier Occupied Northern Kentucky and couldn't pass that up. Uh, <laughs> Hoosier Occupied Northern Kentucky? That's is right. That, is that like patent pending or something? Well, I, I stole it from Mike Veach, who I'm pretty sure stole it from Al Young, who I'm pretty sure just got it from his grandpa. So I, I'm just, I kind of latched onto it because I've always heard that great artists steal and mediocre artists borrow. So there you go. Um, that seems to fit and work for me for some, whatever reason. Some of my buddies just say Indiaki. Indiaki. Because yeah. you should always put Indiana first. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, so yeah, continue. Sorry, I, oh, I had to interrupt you there. You're good. So, uh, got the call to come over here. Um, obviously, background in home distilling. I'm a huge advocate of home distilling to this day and the uh, hopeful subsequent legalization of it one of these years. I don't see it ever happening, but I'll continue to talk about it and push for it. Um, came in here and uh, wanted to do things a little differently. So, being on this side of the Magic River, which is unfortunately viewed as the wrong side of the river by most people, uh, you have to do things a little bit differently in the distilling industry. And luckily, uh, coming into this career and this job here at Spirits of French Lick, the, uh, the ownership has been pretty good so far about allowing me to do things the way that I, I see fit to do them. I have to convince them sometimes that it's their idea first, but it usually it usually rolls around. So that's the act of every great artist, right? Right, right. It's it's all just a big magic trick, right? So, but um, we uh, we focus on double pot still distillation here at Spirits of French Lick. Uh, we don't do any chill filtration. We don't use any cheats whatsoever. So we're not doing any small barrels in anything we're doing. We're not adding anything post distillation short of water and barrel maturation. Uh, we don't even make any liqueurs here. Um, and as long as I can keep from doing those things, I'm going to continue to keep from doing those things because I want to focus on pure, unadulterated liquor uh, made in a different way from what you would normally find. Uh, and we tend to look at our market as being a little bit like uh, ready, fire, aim, right? Because everybody's looking for something new and something different. And uh, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the younger drinkers, they don't come back to the same bottle twice, but they might come back to the same brand twice if they try something once and they really like it. So uh, we focus on using a lot of alternative grains we focus on double pot still distillation in particular. That's something that we're absolutely in love with. Um, and everything that we do sort of plays into that and also plays into the idea that distillation is obviously agricultural from the get-go. So as you guys saw, we grind all of our own grains on sites. We use a lot of alternative grains as we're, as we're producing our products. 
And we try to really approach things more like brandy distillers and traditional whiskey makers out of Kentucky. Not that the guys in Kentucky are doing anything bad. They're all doing great stuff. We just, again, have to be a little different from what they are. So. Right. It's a niche market, right? It is. You know, yes. um, Matt and I and, and Toby, in, in some of the previous podcasts, we've talked a little bit about how MGP is kind of just doing a little bit something different, and they're on this side of the river, and what they're doing is great because, right. I mean, a lot of people like what they're doing. So I, I can definitely appreciate, you know, yeah. the, the variety that the smaller distilleries are offering mm-hmm. to the consumer because it gives us an opportunity to try something that isn't necessarily mass-produced right. or also that hasn't, you know— doesn't have the same taste as everything else. Well, if you were to go back, say, 125 years ago and uh, look at the distilling industry, you're dealing with a lot of farm distillers, right? And so we have this idea now of what bourbon is, but what bourbon is now is not exactly what bourbon always was. So at one point in time, distilling was very regionalized. It was based on your local food shed. Uh, It was based on your local ingredients. And, you know, if you would have even, even in Kentucky in the mid-1800s dropped into any particular region of Kentucky, uh, you might have tried something that they were calling bourbon at that time that by today's standards would not match what bourbon, what we think of as bourbon now. And so for as much as we're doing new things, we're really not doing anything new. There's nothing new under the sun. We're doing things that were done 100 years ago, 150 years ago that people forgot about because they came, became familiar with this this one sort of conceptualized idea of what whiskey distilling, bourbon distilling, rye whiskey distilling has become, uh, but there's a lot more options out there. And hey, if you like drinking what you drink, then then have at it, but you know, be willing to try something new and and uh, understand that just because I, I might say that I'm using some crazy grain you never heard of before doesn't mean that it hasn't been done in the past. And it didn't necessarily end because it was bad. It probably ended because it clogged up the column still or something odd like that, so. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's really funny. Um, I, I guess the, the one that kind of, sparks my thought process the most is E.H. Taylor like recently they've over the last you know five to ten years they've done a whole lot of different things as far as like Amareth Grain of the Gods um, the Four Grain you know different things Mm -hmm. like that and then also they've done some weird stuff like Season Barrel where they've had some opportunities to do some some different things and that's coming from a mass distiller which is a little bit unusual Mm -hmm. Um, so I I love the idea of doing those things and you know those those guys going back into their history you know having uh Having Nicholas LaCrente, the bourbon archaeologist, come in there and, and, and excavate that whole thing and really get into that, it's pretty interesting. So, you know, I think that the craft distilling movement at this point is at the point, even though that we're as young as what we are, we're already having a little bit of influence even on the big guys. Those guys at this point, you know, they don't see us as competition, I don't think, necessarily. But I do think that they're paying attention to what we're doing, and they're they're maybe trying to play catch up just a little bit on those grounds, um, even though they obviously have, you know, plenty of aged product themselves and plenty of product lines that already have uh, plenty of shelf placements. I do think that it's both a could be a passion thing on their part, but it could also be a good business thing, and that's good. You know, we're small and we have to move fast. I, I think passion brings a, a big piece into that, um, especially as the older distillers start to kind of either retire or die off or things like that. And you're getting guys like yourself, you know, that are coming into the process, even though you've grown up with it, it, it's still, what can I do different? What can I make this, how can I make this product even better? Mm -hmm. How do I ramp it up a notch? So talk a little bit more about, you know, that piece. What, What makes you look for that next recipe or next batch? Well, there's kind of a, it's kind of a, multiple faceted things so i i think that you're absolutely correct on that but what i also think is happening is that popular culture has made distilling 
sort of a romanticized sort of career field, right? So uh, shows like even as much as I, I hate it and I criticize it and I damn near have a stroke every time I watch it, Moonshiners definitely get people's interest. Um, but we're moving into a point now where there are far more distilleries opening than there are trained distillers. Uh, fortunately, there are plenty of distillers that are self-trained at home that have learned regardless of the law. And uh, the nice thing about that is nobody's ever told them, hey, you can't do this this way. They, they're not trapped within their own framework of, you know, I learned this from my dad or my grandpa, and this is the way we do it because it's the only way we've ever done it. And even myself, I come from a distilling background, a family of legal and illicit distillers in Indiana and Kentucky. But the nice thing about my situation was my family never once tried to tell me this is how you do it. Now, they helped me build a still. My dad and my grandpa did. Um, but they wouldn't tell me how to do anything. Yeah, my favorite part of that story was you said um, something to the words of don't kill yourself and bring back something that's worth drinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the two rules were don't blow your ass up in the backyard and bring us something back when it's worthwhile. So uh, that worked out well. The Lee Sinclair bourbon that we have out is actually that mash bill uh, converted from an old sugar shine into a true uh, bourbon using uh, corn, wheat, oats, and uh, malt. So that, that worked out okay for me. So, <laughs> so it... it if you were to, you know, say, hey, I, I want to pull up a glass and, and drink an everyday bourbon type bourbon, would you consider yourself a rye guy, a wheat guy? Where are you at? Are you high corn? So I more than a, than let's say a mash bill guy when it comes to traditional, you know, industrial distilled Kentucky bourbon. I am um, I, I'm, I'm a huge Heaven Hill fan more than anything else and it doesn't matter the product i've never had a product from heaven hill that was bad even even on the the extremely low end of things you can go buy a bottle of damn heaven hill eggnog and it's delicious absolutely <laughs> you know what i mean and for the price of what they charge on most of the products notwithstanding rebranding their you know bottled and bonds up to an extra year and charging another twenty dollars which is good for them if they can get it uh at one point in time you probably could have put a legitimate heaven hill tax on my check and I probably wouldn't have been mad because it probably would have saved me money. Uh, you can put it there right there next to the Disney tax for being a dad. So you know, just take it all out at one time. If I Ouch. don't see it, I don't know I had it. I feel that pain really, really <laughs> largely. I, I've been a DVC member for about 10 years, so gotcha. I, I, I feel your pain there. So as far as product development and, and coming into this, uh, my thing has always been I grew up on a tobacco farm, right? Also with a family of distillers. Uh, eventually, you know, we got into the tobacco buyout program. Um, we live in a society where tobacco is obviously now frowned upon, like many other things. Uh, but, we yet, can, but yet we give our 14-year-olds jewels. Right. <laughs> right. So we converted that farm into a, or I converted that farm into an organic produce farm at a time where in the Ohio Valley, nobody was buying produce because everybody and their brother and sister has a damn garden, right? So... I uh, use that as an excuse to breed new varieties of organic vegetables um, for organic production. Again, I'm not a good business person. That's why I'm an artist and not a, I don't run my own distillery because I would be the worst distillery owner on the face of the planet. Um, I'd just be making chartreuse with there'd be no market for it. <laughs> Even dress up like a monk right. just because I could. So, But... Um, I, I think that because distilling is so agricultural, I, I and because of that background, I'm very interested in in how distillation affects flavors. I'm very in, in, interested in how regionality and terroir affects flavors. 
And I'm very interested about how those flavors can be manipulated by a pot still and then by fermentation via yeast or even maturation, depending on the type of barrel. Um, you could take any mash bill on the face of the planet, you know, as simple as it could be 80% corn, 10% uh, rye, 10% malt. And you could, you could run thousands of variations on that one mash bill just, just based on, you know, even take one factor, yeast alone. You know, and yeast in the grand scheme of things, three to four years out in maturation is going to have a very minimal effect, but it will be a noticeable effect. Um, those are the things that sort of drive me and kind of keep me thinking about things. Uh, I, I do these things because I want to do them because I want to see if they work. And then hopefully there's some commercial application for that after the fact. Um, you know, there's somebody there on the on the receiving end that can monetize that and put it out there and 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 hopefully uh, bring some cash flow in to keep paying my checks to keep doing this. Um, it's sort of a self-feeding machine, I think. Right. So. Right. Yeah, uh, and, and that's one thing. You know, like you've got some unique products. Um, I, I, we talked a little bit about the brandy you guys are producing here, um, the Lee, Lee Sinclair product, and you, you you talked about the vodka piece, but you said you got real tired of that after like the first <laughs> week, so you, you burned yourself out on that one. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Um, what other products do you feel like you're going to be working on in the near future? Or are there any things hidden in these awesome barrels that we're surrounded by? Because we're literally sitting in basically a, a mini rickhouse here. And um, what's some stuff you want to, you know, tell people that's coming or, you know, to, to really think about? There's so much stuff in this rickhouse right now, so many different projects. Um, you know, the first two years that we were in operation, you know, it wasn't real uh, regimental schedule, right? So... There were times where I may not have had much to do and I might have taken advantage of the fact that the winery had a lot of uh, quote unquote waste products for themselves, you know, like lees from 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 uh, fermented white grapes or whatever that we turned into grappa. Um, we threw absinthe and new American oak barrels. That's kind of fun. We've done aquavit and maple syrup barrels. Um, we've got some whiskeys and beer barrels. We've got some whiskeys actually aging actively in some wine barrels. Um, there are a ton of variations on mash bills. So we've got a, um, one thing I don't, I don't mention often cause I always forget about it cause we haven't gotten this far yet is, uh, we, we decide we do a corn whiskey, right? But because we're spirits of French lick and we have to be different from what everybody else is doing and we're doing double pot still distillation, retention, concentration, etc. Uh, we weren't going to, you know, go up and compete with mellow corn and I love mellow corn. Again, I love heaven Hill stuff. So. What we decided to do instead is to play into the uh, the bartender's hands or the adventurous drinkers. So, ninety percent corn, ten percent chocolate malt. Hmm. Yeah. That, right. Yeah. That's, that's wow. really all anybody can say right now. Is just hmm. Wow. What's that going to do? <laughs> you know. And we don't we don't know in four years what it's going to do. But. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, I, I Matt, you had a a, a com comment. No, I, I was actually gonna. I was gonna like. What's been your favorite kind of experimental? batch you've worked with in this rickhouse so far because i mean mm -hmm. i'm sure periodically you've gone through and yeah you said it up and you said up. tuesdays are alan's bored as hell and <laughs> right. i'm just gonna make some shit right we're just yeah we're just gonna do whatever comes to us um yeah. this isn't what i ordered we'll work with it <laughs> so the uh the creme de la creme which is uh behind you is an interesting process product um the winery makes a sherry product um can't actually call it sherry but it's basically sherry. A sherry-esque product. Right, exactly. So, uh, and they make an extremely good sherry, and I'm a, I'm a huge sherry fan to begin with, um, and I will legitimately say that our winery uh, makes probably one of the top three to four best sherries I've ever tasted in my life for being in Indiana. But they had 
two totes of it that were off profile and they weren't bad there was nothing wrong with them they just didn't fit their normal uh product profile so they were going to dump these these uh totes of sherry and get rid of them and i thought well no bring it bring that shit back here and i'll run it through the still because i don't know what it's going to do um it, it might have been shit but it wasn't it was amazing when it came off the still <laughs> you know and had it been shit i'd been honest about it, been like yeah that didn't work we're gonna we're gonna have to dump that but they wouldn't they really weren't out anything other than you know whatever they paid me the time to take care of it and the the fuel to run the stills. Um, and, and that's really what distilling comes from. It was a way to make use of the things that you had that would otherwise go to waste. And so that is still continuing here in the 21st century, just like it was 150 years ago. Yeah. Alan so. talked a little bit. I mean, not Alan. Um, <clears throat> Rick talked a little bit about his Arkham's razor theory about right. how, how bourbon was invented with, <laughs> by the drunken Irishman that right. sits down in bourbon, Kentucky. So uh, you're exactly right. You know, a lot of, great things come out of necessity mm-hmm. rather than out of just adventurism, I guess. Right. It does. Well, necessity. And then I think also the adventure thing is there too. So we, we just implemented a program. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to hit on some points that I don't ordinarily hit on, on different podcasts. Cause I think this is a really good platform to do this sort of thing. So we just implemented a program where this past summer out front, Andy Casper, Zach, our manager, uh, put in some slushy machines, right? So they're doing wine slushies and they're doing spirit slushies and stuff like that. And uh, they sell the hell out of them. They do extremely well for us. Uh, occasionally they will have one that they have, let's say a half gallon of slushy stuff left over after a few days. And again, they're just putting that stuff down the drain. It's still alcohol and I can still distill it. And I have the technology that if I distill it and it comes off bad, I can run it up in the neutral spirit, right? Uh, so why put it down the drain if, if I can make some sort of use of it, uh, not dump it out into the environment and not lose it. Uh, so we're bringing it back now. We're running it through our little one-gallon still named Diana. And uh, we're if it distills well, we will build that up and we'll redistill that. And it could become an interesting sort of a float or some sort of implement in a cocktail that would be for out front. And once it's gone, it's gone. If it distills poorly, we'll redistill it till we get neutral and we'll use it as a base for bitters. Because why wouldn't we? We have it. It's a resource. It's here. Um, we should take advantage of it if we can, not waste it, uh, and put it to use in making our cocktail program that much more invigorating and interesting for people. So, so you brought up Diana, which I, I thought was funny because I, I saw her sitting over there, and I was like, what on earth has this guy got this thing for? And then you started talking about how you named all your you know, your right. stills. and So do, do you want to go through that little piece a little bit for us and tell us a little bit, you know, why you named them, what you did, and and, and that type of thing? I've had a lot of girlfriends, man. A lot of girlfriends? Just saying. saying. So Dirty Diana was your crazy one? That's right. Was she the tiniest one of the group? What's the the slang for that? They call that shorty, right? That's the thing. Was she a ginger? (sighs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Woo! Got a Ric Flair woo in there. Woo! Woo! Yeah, so... um, we, uh, we, t- I, I, I subscribe to a lot of old superstitions. I'm a very superstitious person. I grew up in a family that was very superstitious. Um, and that, that skews into its own separate end of the paranormal, all that <laughs> bullshit, whatever. But, you know, there's a formula for distilling, and I don't know if anybody's ever told you the formula or not, and nobody else probably will. Richard would come closer than anybody else telling you this. But the formula is it's 60% hard science, right? It's all the shit you can't argue with. It just is what it is. You can turn it upside down. You can do it differently. If you don't poison anybody and you make good product, you've done your job. It's 30% dark arts. We'll come back to that in a minute. And it's 10% intuition. And the 10% is what keeps you from blowing your ass up. 
okay? And there's a lot of people in the industry that don't have the 10% and they need to get out. The 30% is twofold. So it's one, all the things you do that individualizes the things that you make. But more than that, it's all the things that you put on your bottle that gets people's attention. It's all your marketing bull BS. It's, uh, it's, it's having the Jolie Casper's act, <laughs> the Testarossa, uh, to take your ridiculous ideas and put them into action, right? But it's also all the little things that I say on tours, um, all the little quirks that I have that otherwise, if I were working in a cabinet factory, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to tell anybody this bullshit, but it works in, in this industry because this industry is really not that different from pro wrestling. They're kind of very Don't talk similar. to Alan on the left cabinet line. He's a weirdo. <sighs> He's a weird fucking guy. <laughs> Don't get him started. He won't shut up. Can you imagine WWE in the cabinet factory? <laughs> <laughs> oh, everything I do is, is based on pro wrestling. It, it, it just it, 80s pro wrestling, what? right? <laughs> yes. I want to be the fucking Jake the Snake Roberts of fucking distilling is what I want to be. Uh, you know, and I was going for straight Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I'll go for that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we need to come up with wrestling names. Right? Yeah, right? we should make that a thing. <laughs> so on the on the Why naming barrels, this one. Is. Yeah, 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 yeah. On the naming the stills and the, the the weirdness that comes with that. So there are a lot of distilling superstitions, um, both from the Scots Irish who were here in Southern Indiana, uh, but also from the Germans, uh, especially around the Black Forest, Grimm's fairy tales. That's where that comes from, right? So people pass those superstitions down throughout the years, and one of the superstitions here in Southern Indiana and Kentucky was, and still have it in Scotland and Ireland as well was that you should always name your stills because stills are a lot like ships. You're not going to sell a ship that doesn't have a name, and I'm not going to run a still that doesn't have a name. But they have to be named after their characteristics because each still has its own personality, <laughs> its own disorders, <laughs> for whatever that's worth, uh, and they should be reflective of that. So, Now, you said disorders. Is that why you name it after women? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for that. We, we, we have, we've not named one Ginger yet, but it could happen. It's coming. There's a new one on order. <laughs> it's coming. Ginger the movie star or Marianne? I'm just kidding. Both of them at the same time. Uh, anyhow, so we name ours typically after goddesses of antiquity and or biblical characters. Uh, so we have a 1,200-gallon stripping still. Uh, we name them after women because women have curves or should have curves. 1,200-gallon strippers still? Same difference. Yes. <laughs> So her name is Lilith, and she's named after the first uh, wife of Adam who refused to give in to Adam, and we named her as such because she's been the biggest pain in the ass of any stool that I've ever run. So That's my favorite. That's by far my favorite one. <laughs> right, yeah. right. We always try to, to try to line those names up as much as possible, like if we can find a cool song that we like with it too. So there's a, there's a, a great Iron and Wine song called Lilith that works really well. So uh, <laughs> Diana's a little one gallon. Um, that's my girl right there. Just saying. But she gets used for all the botanical distillations that we do for all of the, well, not all the botanical distillations, but all the prototyping. Sophia, uh, named after the uh, Gnostic god goddess of wisdom, is kind of the Swiss Army knife of distilling. Uh, any kind of spirit you can imagine in the world, we can pretty much replicate on that system. And then uh, Inanna is our whiskey still that we use for our barrel-aged bourbons and our barrel-aged whiskeys. So, and that's just, just some of the superstition things. So the other thing that we, we throw out on tour as part of that 30% dark arts is... Um, there are five items in this distillery, and uh, even Big Red over there, that's what we call Jolie. There are five items in this distillery, and you guys have walked by all five of them today, and you'd never know where they are or what they are. Nobody else in this building knows what they are. 
that I consider sort of good luck charms. I, I just figured jelly was the, the, the dark arts of the building. I am the number one good luck charm, The uh, whether he realizes it or not. The five mojo hands, as they were, <laughs> exist to counter out, counteract her actual existence in this business. I, I can literally just, like, envision Jolie sitting at, you know, her desk, you know, after marketing whatever she's doing, pulling out the tarot cards, <laughs> seeing, seeing if that, like... The, I've got the ten yeah, of cups and the lovers, and <laughs> let me let me tell you this what shit she, is gonna sell really well, Alan. <laughs> let me tell you what she's what she's doing at her desk is she's reading my product descriptors, going this motherfucker, <laughs> what did he fucking write, and no. why are there no commas okay, so, or periods? It looks like something that Ginsburg did. Someone's grandma forgot yeah. the space bar. <laughs> legit, legit. He comes to me the other day, and he has this idea. That doesn't fit in anywhere into what it's we're doing. It's the best idea ever, and, and I'm going to pitch it in a minute. <laughs> it's a great idea, and I've told you that from the very beginning. I don't disagree with that, but I, as the marketing person, try and figure out, like, okay, where is that going to fit in? It doesn't fit Where's in anywhere. Like, what are we, you know, where do we want to do this, and, <clears throat> and what was your advice to me? Your advice was? My constant advice to you, <laughs> as well as to our <laughs> vice president of sales, is that I just come up with ideas, and it's on you guys to figure right. out how those ideas work. No, that's not what I'm talking about. And what I'm talking about is he looked at me and he said, uh, ride the gazelle, Joel. Ride the gazelle, that's right. Ride the yeah. gazelle. <laughs> now, I have no fucking the idea what that means. majestic gazelle. <laughs> and I was like, well, um... Okay, I don't, <laughs> I'll find a place for it. I, uh, you know, I'm down with the ideas. I love being different. I love that. Um, what? You know, you like being different? I know, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't know it to take a look at me. Um, I love that he's, you know, all of his brain children are just crazy, fucking. <laughs> Who knows <laughs> what you come up with? He's literally thinking 24/7, and um, I do love that. Even when he texts me on Sundays, and he's like, "What about this?" and I'm like, "Leave me alone." <laughs> um, but, one, of, one of the things but, yeah. that's really impressed me, uh, uh, just about here in general, is a Alan's knowledge of the history of bourbon and yeah. Southern Indiana, and how it was kind of tied to Southern Indiana, and, and most people just don't know those things. I've heard those stories from other people, um, so it's kind of it's nice to know that people that are working in the industry has done the research, mm -hmm. has lived it, you know that type of thing. So it, it, it makes it quite refreshing to have that information and that knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, this is what I do. It's the one thing that I'm good at, right? It's probably the only thing that I'm really, really good at, truthfully. <laughs> Uh, for whatever that's worth, you know, if I wasn't here, I'd probably be digging ditches somewhere. So, um, I'm in love with what I do and then I, I have very little tolerance for people who aren't in love with what they do or people who bullshit what they do. Yes, um, and that's what gets my blood pressure up. And then I back to pro wrestling. So then I become the Jim Cornette of fucking oh distilling because I just lose my shit. <laughs> so I, I, I'd listen to Jim Cornette on a daily basis. I don't watch wrestling anymore, but I, I love listening to him because I love just listening to him just tear somebody so, down. So you, you, you <laughs> if don't they deserve it. You don't like the dudes that, you know, fake it till they make it. No, I think every one of those fuckers should get out of the business. All of them right now should leave and just make room for those of us that give a shit and are passionate. I mean, and, and your passion shows, I mean, just based on what you're letting us, not to, Thank you. to kind of transition on. Um, Tell what them what you're drinking. What you've let us try here today. Um, incredibly different. Love yep. tasting you, it. You came on a, on a good day today. So today is, today is uh, National Liberation Day. 
Liberation of Independent Amateur Distillers. Uh, and I say that for two two reasons. So first of all, we are currently in the process of getting rid of the very last bit of source product that we have on hand, which is fantastic. We're never going to source anything ever again, ever. That will be leaving today while you guys are here. And two, uh, we're, we're currently drinking a high rye bourbon that's three years old. And then, um, well, two barrels that were blended. Uh, one three years old, new Ameri- three and a half years old, new American oak. The other one three years old, new American oak. And then been finished in port cask since August. Um, and bottled at 107.7. Um, when we were bottling as you guys walked in. And you guys are the first ones outside of this company to taste that. Yep. So yeah. Now you had, you had me at port finish. That's yeah, absolutely. Right. <clears throat> it kind of... Uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of kind of the Angel's Envy type finish, but I, I had a much crisper, like, flavor on the front side. The rye on it was just really, really nice. It's like a sexier version of Angel's Envy. Yeah, <laughs> you could almost say that. <clears throat> but uh, It's extra special. It, you can call it the sexy angel if you really feel like there it. There you go. There you go. I'm now, I'm now VP of marketing. Now. Whatever. <laughs> I will WWE wrestle you out of, out of my way. <laughs> Macho man elbow. Right. She's These tables pulled in, elbow. right? Yeah. She's, she's, yeah, I'll pick it up and, and just straight slay you. She's going to put the Stone Cold Stunner on That's you. Right. Right. That's right. But. Jolie 316 said so. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But no, it, I mean, incredibly, what an incredible uh, you know honor it is for you to let us try this. I know it. It literally was just in yeah. the bottle. Yeah. No, I appreciate you guys Not trying it, and I, I love putting stuff in front of people. That's that's what makes this fun, right? So, one of the one of the quotes I like to use, and, and this is because we we understand our market. You know, I'm not getting the Buffalo Trace antique collector to switch, and I'm not getting the Evan Williams guy to switch. Don't need them. Neither brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, etc. Adventurous drinkers, Irish whiskey drinkers, Scotch whiskey drinkers. So, uh, Hank Williams three has a song called "Not Everybody Everybody Likes Us, But We Drive Some Folks Wild." You know, and that that's kind of what we're after. Yeah. We don't we don't need everybody. We need the ones that really love what we do and will come back to it. There's also a huge untapped market of spirit drinkers and bourbon drinkers there that are just now coming into that as the craft distillery movement is taking off, similar to where the craft brewery market was 10, 15 years ago. People are just starting to learn about this. And so, you know, you have seasoned bourbon drinkers that know exactly what they like, exactly what they want. And then you've got, I mean, for lack of a, a better term, you've got a bunch of millennials that are really just getting involved and trying to figure out, you know, their taste buds and, and they're fine to, to, you know, drop some cash on some quality product. You're absolutely correct. And, and I think that's what's the beauty of all this, you know, is the opportunity. And just because, I mean, you got somebody like myself and Matt and Toby over here. I mean, we we've been drinking for the better part of twenty years, right. and right. And, and there's like things that, there's things that I like, but this <laughs> right. is an absolutely it's right. a great product. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no reason for people not to like it. But and but, it's one hundred percent different than anything that's out there right now, and it's, and it, that's the key. It's a fun time to be a drinker, I think. Yeah. Because now you have more access to these right. things. It's always it, fun time to be a drinker. In microbreweries, was the too. start of that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and kudos to them. I mean, when when uh, before the Dodies were looking into a distillery, like however many years ago, they were looking into starting a brewery first. They went out to Colorado and went to, you know, um, a big convention to learn about it and really did their homework on that. And what they learned was we'd be a dime a dozen. I mean, we would, you know, you were... A, 
already coming into a market that was completely saturated, even in the Midwest, even where we're located. I mean, within probably two hours of us, there are several, you know, smaller craft brew yeah, companies. I, I did some research on this, and it was a while back, and I, it, the numbers might not be exactly right, but I know in the ni- like the late 90s, early 2000s, like 2000, 2001, there were like 46 distilleries in the state right. of Indiana. Right. Yeah. Right. And now yeah. there's 46 in Indianapolis. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, you're exactly right. You, you, so <clears throat> that gave them the opportunity, and, and God bless them. It gave them the forethought to say, hey, l- let's break outside the mold mm-hmm. and right. let's do something, do something different. different. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and bring that back around, you know, especially for where we're at geographically. I mean, you know, we, we have every bit of, as much of the heritage as, as what they ever had in Kentucky, you know, but nobody was representing it. You know, we, you had literally had a six-county region with 155 distilleries between 1855 and 1914, and until between 1914 and 2016, there was not one representative, you know, whatsoever of that heritage. And right. that would have been, had we not come around or had someone else not come around, uh, that would have been a piece of uh, American history and tradition and culture and, and drink and food that would have just been lost to time. And what's so. great is that you, you, you found a family that was passionate about it and they were able to bring you guys in, and, and they had the financial well-being to be able to, to help you produce the amount of product that you've yes. been able to produce. I'm incredibly lucky to be in the situation that I am in, um, particularly coming from the background that I did and, and the place that I did and where we're at in Indiana. You know, it's a depressed economy to, to some larger extent. Uh, had you asked me seven years ago if I thought I'd be doing this, I'd, I'd say no. A, and I definitely wouldn't have thought I would have ever been doing where I'm doing this where I'm doing it at geographically uh, because of the economics of it. So I'm incredibly blessed to be in the situation that I am, uh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, I have a lot of guys that worked for me at my previous distiller that when I left, they left and they went elsewhere and they went to a lot of the big distilleries and they say, hey, why don't you come work for us? We can pay more money, this or the other. Well, you might be able to pay more money, but I'm going to be miserable if I go there. You know, if I'm making three products versus... Because I'm not there. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm, just I'm sure there'd be a way. I'm just saying. Is Jolie your, your, your work wife? If, <laughs> if all three of Dracula's brides were rolled into one fucking person, it still would not be the Testarossa. I'm just saying. Also, compliment. yeah, I always do. <clears> because, fine. and this might change as of tonight or tomorrow. Depending but, on how much you drink, right? But <laughs> no, depending on if I watch Big Trouble in Little that's China where this is headed. Yes, I know, I know, but I know where it's going. Because of you the fact, I know, all right, that God. you have not watched Big Trouble in Little China as of yet. I'm calling you out. Wait, have you watched yeah. Pulp Fiction yet, either? Yes, of course. Okay, just I was about. Hey, did you Back see Jolie when we walked in the door? Back off me! Like that's the first movie the girl watched in 1997. Right. Hello. <laughs> All right. All right. Jeez. No, shout out, since we're talking about work wives, um, shout out to Alan's wife, Kim Bishop. Hashtag distiller's wife is what I... Um, Are you trying to sleep with my wife? No, I mean, because maybe. She's, I feel like that's what I would she's say She's a hottie, a I'm not going to lie. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I, for lack of a better term, deal with Alan on a daily basis. Um, but this woman has yeast experiments in her fridge she has um that <laughs> maybe that sounded terrible. bad but i almost spit the coffee out that i hadn't drank kitchen yet refrigerator. i love you kim yeah kim that's not bad but you know what i meant girl um, julie's not your friend but, <laughs> um but 
She's at she's at every festival. She you know supports Alan. She oh. gives up her refrigerator space for his um, for love his, for, for his love for his love of yeast. <laughs> I mean, let w- me w- let me just. Yeah, can you just clarify set, that and, and dig me out of straight. this hole that, yes, I, that I put myself in? Because you are there's something not. Yeah, just just tell her not to listen to this do you, episode. <laughs> do you smell toast right now? Yeah, I'm I just do. Curious. I'm gonna stroke out in a minute. <laughs> right, um, strong. But um, I say that with all sincerity. I mean, yeah, she, no, that's true. So she's she. My wife is the reason that I got into yeah, this industry. 100%. My wife, and then. Uh, a couple of friends, Steve Beam from Limestone Branch and Lisa Wicker, they both very much pushed me to get into this legal industry because they knew what I was doing on the side. Uh, but my wife has put up with a lot of bullshit over the <laughs> years. A lot of yeast, apparently. Dude, uh, dude so the yeast thing, and it's hilarious the way that that came out. But like, the, it's a our, thing. It is a thing. Our actual refrigerator at the house right now. Hey, this is no shit. Like, this They're, is not the side refrigerator. Right. Like you it's the one you actually one. like, we're, like we're, the. The, the, the garage the, fridge. The, 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 the fucking deviled eggs is next to right. Alan's beard yeah. yeast from... That's <laughs> right. We're, we're, we're actually getting fucking there. We're at the point where she's going to kick oh. me out of the house if I don't get a refrigerator of my own to put separately because there are five historic yeast strains in our refrigerator right now, and she is pissed. I mean, just mad. Right. But hey, do you think it, you have some room here to put a refrigerator? I probably. Oh, dude, the fridge is here is full of yeast as well. Do you I think mean, we could find you another refrigerator? Probably, <laughs> but now let me put that in perspective for you too. I told I told you on Let's tour. Let's start a GoFundMe for Alan's we, second fridge. Amazon will have one here in two hours and fifteen <laughs> minutes. We Draw have drop. we have closed top fermenters at work because we're next to a winery and winemakers think that brewers and distillers are bioterrorists. So <laughs> if I add a new refrigerator, my boss is going to lose his shit. And just put a biohazard sticker on it and it'll be <laughs> right. okay. So this, this is also should add the same woman <laughs> yeah. who, uh, when I was distilling at home, allowed me to malt like 400 pounds of corn in the bait. Now, <laughs> let me let me rephrase that. She didn't allow me to do it. I just fucking did it, and then she found out about it later. And then she still stayed married to you. <laughs> right. Right, how, yeah. On a side note, how did you think you were going to get away with that? <laughs> well, she doesn't go to the basement, so... <laughs> I'm just saying it's not it's not a finished basement, so we're not down there watching The Simpsons or anything on Wednesday. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a it's a root cellar basically. So, and I did get away with it for a while. And had I not gr- gotten drunk and said something about it, I mean, it'd probably still be going hey, Steve, on. Steve, check out the malt. <laughs> what? what? Uh, nothing. Right? Bill, you would not believe yeah. what I have in the root cellar. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be great. <laughs> So that you know, that's an old distillers thing though too. That that yeast thing again, going back to that, that was something that uh, that back in the day in the 1800s, you didn't have no bullshit like a master distiller, right? It's a marketing term. It was yeast maker and distiller, and their main job was to maintain yeast because you couldn't just go somewhere and buy yeast from fucking Walmart or whatever, right? You had to you had to get a good variety. You had to get one that did what you wanted and made the flavor that you wanted, and you had to keep it going. So the distiller literally would carry. Uh, what they call a Donna jug, a copper jug full of yeast, home and back with them every day, maintain the yeast, and he would create a second one, uh, put it on a chain, close a drain cock on it, drop it down into a well and chill it down. That way if the distillery ever burnt down or he lost that yeast or messed up in some way, shape, or form, he'd have it on hand. And and those are traditions that need to be brought back to distilling in a lot of ways. It's like the old Amish friend bread. Yeah, 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 very yeah, much right. so. Or a sourdough culture. It's like the yeah. Simpsons episode when they turned the bowling alley into a distillery. Right. Remember? Right. And they would, right. They would Remember? bowl a gutter ball on purpose, and then that would be <laughs> the funnel for the alcohol, and it would go through the basement of the... <laughs> 
That's what that reminds me of. You know, I, I don't think I've ever seen that oh my episode. God, I'm going to have to Google that they, one. It was a prohibition. Yep. It was like Simpsons a prohibition Simpsons episode. Yep. <laughs> Damn, how did I miss that? I don't know how you missed that, but that's what it reminds me. Like, That's awesome. So this, uh, this, this next year is going to be exciting for us, too, and I think you guys will like this. So we've been distilling since April 2016. We've got... How many products do we have out now? Nine? Twelve in the 12. bottle. Jesus Christ. Anyhow, this next year, <clears throat> we will be releasing our first bottled and bond. Mm. Actually, several bottled and bonds. Uh, the goal here has always been to get everything to a minimum of bottled and bond. Uh, so the first thing that will come out will be this high rye bourbon that you're drinking, but it will be the non-port barrel finished version. That will come out in June. Uh, from there, the Lee W. Sinclair, which is the corn, wheat, oats, and caramel malt. That will come out as a, a bottled and bond. The two-year will probably go away at that point. Buckwheat bourbon will be shortly behind that. Um, we have a rye whiskey based on the old George Washington rye whiskey. That's coming up. So things are getting a little more exciting. We also have a couple of single barrels of apple brandy that we did in New American Oak that are going to be released as bottled and bond as single barrels here. Uh, a lot of neat stuff coming along. Um, and I'm always thinking of more ideas as we go. So. And my favorite. What's your favorite? Barrel-aged absinthe. That's right. That's my favorite. I haven't tried it yet. Don't ruin so, it for me. So as we, you know, venture into bottled and bond and, and, and those type of things, um, do, you, do you anticipate kind of a barrel procurement program? So if people like myself want to come in here and, and, and buy an, an entire barrel of bourbon or of the this high rye or, right. or whatever it might be, and we put our own little favorite label on there, you know, we can, we can make it like, like, and, and I hate to drop this, but you know, like new riff has done a, an amazing job of marketing their product. You keep and saying then, bad words. And then, I, I don't, and, I don't <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> That's right. But, but they, they, they allow people like Matt and other folks to go out there. And, and the, one of the, one of the funny favorite like things that I've seen is they had one recently. It was actually like called you. the riff flare. <laughs> yes. I saw that. I so, saw that. so like, so is that something that's going to be in, in the, in the soon to be coming for the spirits of French Lake? Yes, very much so. So my, one of my goals from the outset with this place was a, first of all, and, and, and again, I'm trying to skew towards things I've not said on other programs elsewhere. Uh, there's no consistency with pot still distillation short of the consistency that you get from the, still, the distiller making their certain blends. So everything that we do here is very much catered towards individuality in each individual barrel and product, believe it or not. Um, we don't strive to make everything absolutely consistent all the time, and nor could we force things to be consistent because too many things. Was that fucking Godzilla attacking us? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I, I was waiting for someone to yell out, oh, shit. Right. <laughs> so, um, Kim Kim was listening live. We didn't know it. Right. So she showed up. <laughs> she she <laughs> dropped the car through the Kicked that door off the hinge. <laughs> she, could, she could not get here from a peak in that fast. I meant, to, I meant to ask a question before we get too far sidetracked. So I know you mentioned you were going to turn a couple of them into bottle and bonds. Are you, are they going to be, are you going to put them as age statements? Or are you going to yes. do, okay. Yep, we sure will. Um, and I'll, I'll come back to that in just a moment. Sure. So on these individual single barrels, we have set ourselves up for to be a single barrel market, essentially, because not only are we playing around with different yeast varieties, we have five different yeasts that we're really playing around with. We'll be able to release 375, 200 mil gift packs. It'll have, you know, high rye bourbon with uh, our standard yeast. Uh, McCoy Distillery Yeast, which is an old distillery here in southern Indiana, Spring Mill Yeast, old distillery in southern Indiana, and a sourdough yeast from Naples, Italy, right? So you can really explore how yeast affects our products. 
Um, but of course, each individual barrel, the age of the wood, where at on the tree that the wood was harvested, what state the tree was harvested in, that all affects things. Whose on, initials were carved into the trees? That exactly, count it does. It does. <laughs> it's it's all about magic. Is all about intent. The dark arts. It's all about intent. That's all it 30%. is. Listen, I've got you. Right. So the other thing that we do is, uh, like for example, when I was at my previous distiller, we would run apple brandy all week. We would put that stuff into a tank. We would blend it for consistency as a white dog. Then we'd barrel it. We don't do that shit here. We take everything off the still as it is. We proof it to where we want it at. We put it in the barrel the day that it is distilled. So you have Monday barrels, Tuesday barrels, Wednesday barrels, Thursday barrels, etc., so that every possible variable can come into play into those barrels. So if you come in and you want to pick out a Lee Sinclair single barrel, not only will you have different ages, uh, not only will you maybe potentially have different yeast strains, but you'll have different days of production, etc. In order to hit those off profiles, um, as well as, like I said, yeast strains and more. And so, different so, sweet spots, right, where yes. they're at in the in the chai. Right. So is this is it is it going to be like Ford, where you don't want to buy a car on Monday or on Friday? No. So <laughs> at the end of the month is usually better. Here's <laughs> here's the both the gift and the curse of being the distiller at Spirits of French Lick is that I'm the only one allowed to touch those fucking doubling stills. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, even on days where I may not feel great and I might be winging it or some other such, you know, that because something's wrong or whatever. We have run these products so many times individually at this point, all of our mainline products that I pretty much know what those stills are going to do given the environment that they're in. So, um, you know, and if the truth of it is, is a lot of people, if they're in the distilling industry and they come across a barrel that doesn't fit profile, they throw it into another product. We're not going to do that. And if it doesn't fit into another product, they sell it to somebody else. We're not going to do that. If it doesn't fit, we're going to throw it in a still, and we'll take it up to neutral spirit, and we'll use it as a base for vodka. Hmm. So, Sounds like a unique process. Magic. Dark arts. Dark yeah. arts. Spirits right. of French lick. So, <laughs> Horseshit. By, by the way, this is fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> it really is. The brandy finish high rye, spot on. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I, I don't know who ordered this, but now, they're they're a lucky person. Now the lights shutting off—that's gonna be a little awkward later. Between that and the uh, <laughs> the the odd noise in the background, there's definitely this is like clover filled. Something's up. You did say there was thirty percent dark arts when we walked in here. So. I did. I did. So, so one one other thing you mentioned, and and this is one of the things that I think outside of the limestone water and you know the dark arts and um, all the other things that go into bourbon, is uh. The fact that wood is so readily available, white oak in this area. I mean, you right. have Missouri, Indiana, North Carolina, West Virginia. Is there a particular variety that you like better? Or like if you were to say, hey, to me, in my opinion, Missouri's white oak is better than anywhere else. Is, is there something like that for you? A little bit. It doesn't play into into faction as much as a lot of other thing other things do. But I will say this: so we're we're using Zach Cooperage, and those guys are amazing. The uh, the the grandfather of that family, and it's a three generation business. He was the um, president of the Brown Foreman Cooperage for twenty five years. Uh, came up with the Groove Stave technology and all that stuff. And uh, those guys are located located down in Hodgensville, Kentucky, in the old Atherton Distillery. Uh, if you ever get a chance, go. It's a really cool, really cool operation. That's yeah, phenomenal. It is. They um, they bring their own logs in. They cut them on site. Saw the staves on site. They age them on site. They've actually got some eight year old staves right now that <laughs> are they're pretty interesting. Um, and they do everything at, at minimum as a two year old age stave. Build the barrels, etc. So I can call those guys right now and say two years from now. 
I want oak from Orange County or Washington County, or I even want it from this particular farm. And they will come up here and they will cut those logs. They will take them down there and they will do the whole process. Uh, so on that dark arts thing, yes, I find that interesting. And there's, you know, there's fun little things you can do there with locations of old distilleries and things of that nature. Uh, I don't get real picky about the states that um, oak comes from. I think sometimes people read a little bit too much into that. And I think sometimes it's reaching, uh, especially on the part of large column still distillers, because that's the only real variation they have, right, is wherever their barrels come from or wherever their location in the rickhouse is. Uh, I will say that in my years in the industry, I have seen that, in my opinion, the very best, best stuff that you can get a hold of tends to come from Missouri and tends to come from the Ozarks. And I think it has a lot to do with the trees growing in very shallow, limestone-heavy soil and really struggling. Um, but I don't, I'm not going to get that picky about it. And we are, we're really big on oak conservation as well, and it's something that people don't talk about. Angel's Envy does this, and I really respect them for it. They plant oak trees every year, and we want to get into doing some stuff like that. But we, we reuse oak a lot. So it, once we get a, a new oak barrel in, it's going to be bourbon or rye. Then it's going to go over to a single malt whiskey, rum, apple brandy. Then it'll go to gin or aquavit, and then I'll send it back to the cooperage, have it recouped, um, shave down an eighth of an inch and recharred and use it two more times. And the reason for that is that not too long ago, uh, one of the big barrel companies moved into my county, Washington County, and they put in a stave factory. And uh, everybody and their brother cut all the oak that they possibly could cut. Now, oak is in no way endangered in Washington County, but it could get there pretty easily. To the extent that I know a lot of uh, log fellers who will not touch oak unless it's a tree that has to come down. In Washington County, there's at least two or three guys that cut trees that will not touch oak. Hmm. So when you have forestry guys that are concerned a little bit, and especially considered an expansion of bourbon, you know, we should be doing everything we can to try to, to, try to maintain at least population at what it is, if not a little better. Uh, and, and that may mean that you don't get to, you don't get to pick and choose in the future necessarily what state, you know, that you get your oak from. Respect so. the grain in a whole other way. Right. right. Yeah. The grain yeah. of the oak. That's I right. see what you did there. You see? Yeah. <laughs> I like, like she's that. In marketing or something. Oh my <laughs> right. <God. laughs> right. Or sales. Dark Depends hearts. Day the way we get is. Dark Witchy stuff. So, so that is. Dr. Strange stuff. That, al that always is really neat when you really sit back and you think about all the things that make bourbon good and what makes bourbon unique to this area so to you what makes bourbon specifically good in in this area uh so as a un <laughs> as, an, as an unrepentant um european colonizer there's a good word for you <laughs> I, uh, I think that what makes bourbon, bourbon uniquely American for us, obviously, uh, is, is the use of corn. Corn is uh, the greatest gift that, that any of the gods or God, whatever you believe in, gave us. It's grain on a handle. Um, it's unique. Nothing else exists like it in the entire world. Um, and it is very reflective of where it's grown at, the people who've grown it, and the growing practices that go into it. Um, I am... As a plant breeder, I'm absolutely in love with the history of maize production, where it came from, the genomics of it, and uh, the fact that the, uh, the actual corn genome is five times larger than the human genome, which is insane if you think about it. Uh, so for me, again, it's all agricultural and then process-driven as well. I love to drink, don't get me wrong, but the, uh, the process of taking that raw grain, that raw American grain that is native to America, 
um, and turning that into a uniquely American product and then getting into the subset of a uniquely Hoosier product um, that maybe other people don't see as a Hoosier product. Uh, but putting that in front of somebody, letting them drink it, uh, letting them get joy out of their life uh, via that that substance, um, that's that's where the magic is at for me. So That's great. That's great. Um, <clears throat> we, we talked a little bit about corn, and we talked about the Bloody Butcher and, mm-hmm. and things like that, and you said you were actually looking to crossbreed some other stuff from, like, Mexico right. and, and, and different things like that. Crossbreed corn. Come on. Well, I mean, that's basically what he's I know, doing. I'm masturbating like, corn. Yeah. <laughs> masturbating Cross corn. Beef. Yeah. Well, I mean, any grain is pollinated, correct? And, 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 and in order to make that corn. grain better, you, you can do all kinds of things. I mean, that's where yeast strains come from. And You're talking right. to the right person. And hops. I mean, hops. I mean, even when you look at beer, I mean, the, the variations you can get from Cascades to Challenger and a lot of those things come from the fact of they've been crossbred. I mean, in a lot of times it's because, hey, what's going to grow in our temperature? What's going to grow in this situation, in this yeah, regionality? Exactly. The soil, you know, I mean, it, it, it all goes into that piece, you know. I, I didn't mean to ask you a question when you were talking about the red corn because – have you ever have you ever kind of messed around with the blue corn as well? Oh yeah, yeah, all those things. Because um, I've tried blue corn stuff and wasn't a huge fan of it. Now right. they could have just not done it right, or it was just a bad bottle. Right, but right. I don't Depends know on what, what your thoughts are doing on it. that. Um, so, so two things again: distilling, agri- being agricultural, and that, and that regionality definitely plays into the corn thing. Uh, the reason that we did what we did with our corn that we use here, which is called Amanda Palmer, I tend to name things after musicians that influenced me or actors that influenced me, etc. We're lucky that we've not been sued because at some point in time, I'm probably going to just name a damn barrel of whiskey Dan Aykroyd and be done with it. Um, so in the same way that I'm exploring now whiskey the way that it was 100 years ago, uh, before that I was exploring corn you know, and, and the things that were maybe missed out on. So when things get bred for certain regionalities, et cetera, whether it be corn, tomatoes, et cetera, you lose a lot of wild genetic diversity. And I was trying to find ways to bring that genetic diversity back in and bring flavors into crops that you may not ordinarily see, right? And so that's why we were exploring corn on my home farm, uh, breeding it, trying to take basically old southern dent heirloom corns, cross those back to old corns that came out of Oaxaca, Mexico. Every time corn left Mexico, it changed a little bit and trying to combine those traits back in, pull them back out in order to run them through a still, see what kind of flavors they would contribute. Uh, Each individual color corn, to get to your question, uh, has its own flavor profile because each of those individual colors is a different amino acid. All those amino acids are soluble in either water or long-chain fatty acids and come across during pot still distillation. So blue corn, if it is done right, and depending on the variety of blue corn, tends to have a little bit of a nutty flavor profile to it, uh, almost an almond-like profile. Uh, but it's very much dependent on a number of factors. So the, the, the process of distilling relies on creating flavor from long-chain fatty acids by breaking those down into phenols and esters. Um, to really do that, you have three chances, fermentation, distillation, maturation. And where a lot of distillers miss out on that is either in distillation or in maturation. So they tend to have a really good understanding of fermentation because a lot of them are home brewers, et cetera. Um, but as far as distillation, if they're running a column still <laughs> is, there, is there a car crash going on over there what's up if they're running a Godzilla's column come back if they're running Sorry. a column still they uh they don't have time to break down those esters and phenols during distilling 
And if they're using small barrels, they don't have a chance to really break down those esters and phenols and balance them with the tannins uh, and char, et cetera. So you, you, can, you can make extremely good whiskey out of any color of corn that you want to, but to get the full effect of it, you need to be using yeasts that are good at pulling out the traits that you want. You need to be using pot stills that actually put the material in contact with heat for the proper t- amount of time to have the chemical reaction, and you need to be using at least 30-gallon barrels or larger. Um, otherwise, things are going to skew in a very negative way, or you're not going to see a difference between a colored corn and a yellow corn. Yeah. Now, this may be a, a dumb question to ask, but what about doing like a tri-corn blend if you use it? yellow, blue, and red, put those together. I know you'd have to use three different yeast strands right. to try to, or some combination so, of it in order to pull out the right flavors, but is that is that even possible? You could, but the, the more interesting thing would be to individually distill a corn whiskey, say 90% corn, 10% malt from each one of those, and mm-hmm. then blend them together yeah. at the end. Um, and maybe you have a gift pack that's 200 mils of, you know, one of each of those, and then one of all three of them blended in equal proportions or whatever. But, yeah, you can certainly do things like that, and, and those are the fun things. Yeah. You know, as that's far as being a distiller. That's something you haven't seen before. but Right. That's actually a really neat idea. I never even – the thought never even occurred to me. Are you trying to take my job? <laughs> are you hiring? <laughs> let, me, let me float something in front of you guys because you guys are a good audience for this. This is the, the gazelle conversation. <laughs> so, I, and I can't take credit for this. Adam Stump figured this out. I did not figure this out. And he figured it out through listening to a podcast with Freddie No. what is it, the fourth now? Yeah. Um, yeah, the fourth. So, apparently, according to the TTB, you can make a blended bourbon whiskey or a blended rye whiskey or a blended wheat whiskey. And that whiskey could be made up of Different proportions, correct, right? So to be a blended bourbon, it has to be at least 51% bourbon, all right? But you could literally take 51% bourbon and blend it with 49% rye. And let's say the the 51% bourbon is, let's say 60% corn, 30 rye, 10 malt. And let's say the rye component is 100% rye. And it can still be blended straight bourbon whiskey despite the fact that on a grain profile it is by far more rye right than it is corn so it's going to drink more like a rye whiskey than it is a traditional bourbon well it isn't that what some high rise are in that capacity <clears throat> to some extent um the gazelle idea was <laughs> that we make a bourbon in this method not necessarily using those kind of proportions um, maybe you use 100% oat whiskey, right? And then go into Lee Sinclair, which already has 13% oats anyhow. And you call the product wrong side of the river because <laughs> it's kind of a contradiction, right? So it's a contradiction in two terms. You're on the wrong side of the river to be making bourbon to begin with. And what you're technically making, even though it falls into blended bourbon, grain-wise, definitely would not be considered a bourbon. See, and that's the fun part. Well, Everybody goes, huh? Well, no, no, no. I, I see what you're saying, but. So, oh. But. <laughs> microphone shot, guys. I apologize. So have, have you ever seen anybody who's done something like that yet? Because there's one on my mind. I've, I've not seen anybody that's done exactly that. Not exactly that, but a pretty similar right. concept. But I, I do know a big-name company mm-hmm. that is preparing to do something like that. Um, 
and more power to them. I, I have all the respect in the world for them. But, but if I can beat them to the punch <laughs> and do it on the Indiana side of the river, that'd be cool. But now there's another, there's, there's one on my mind and they've done, they did an age dated bourbon mixed with an age dated rye, but I think it was a 60, for rye. Blend. Yeah. 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 Well, not a, a sim, a, another offtake of that one, but okay. Is what you're talking? So what you're talking about is just going to be a different ratio of that, or right? Except that the finished in a the, sherry cast. The grain, is, <laughs> the grain is going to be skewed to such an extent. Hey, so put, here, here's, put it in that port wine barrel. Right. You'd be good. Here's here's what happens: is everyone who gets the tongue in cheek wrong side of the river, there's no magic on the Indiana side of the river, sort of thing. Well, there's gets plenty of magic doing, over here, right? Gets what we're doing. They they love that shit, right? They'll go for it, and the traditionalists, they'll hate it. And they'll, they'll very loudly state that they hate it. And what I will say again is this, this business is not that different from, wrestling, different from wrestling. And so sometimes it's as much about who you piss off in this business that gets you attention as it is who you make happy in this business. Yeah, we want to make some waves. I mean, that's not, you know, we don't want to piss anybody off. We have a lot of respect for what Lies. everyone's doing. But um, <laughs> maybe, maybe we want to piss a few people off. No, I mean, you know, we... As Alan said before, you know, nothing against the bigger distilleries. They're putting out a lot of great product. We have a lot of respect for, um, you know, what they've built over a long period of time. But um, we're trying to be different, and we're different people. We're, we're, you know, we're a little funny. We're a little awkward. We're a little... <laughs> this is no. This has turned into your, uh, your first Joe Rogan podcast at three and a half hours. Do you guys want to talk about psilocybin? <laughs> let's talk about AI next. <laughs> right, let's go with it. The dun, robots dun, are going to kill us. So um, they did but, shut off the lights earlier. So. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah, turn that off the lights. Was, Everybody's going home uh, for the but day. Yeah, we we want to be different. We want to stand out, and and it's 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 okay with us. And we don't we don't have to. Alan always says we don't have to play the Kentucky, the Kentucky game. We have to play the game. Yeah, we have to play right. the game because we're not there, and we're Listen, we're close enough, but far enough away. Somebody told me one time that. Treading water was a lot like drowning. Hmm. That's interesting You're when you really doing think about it. Slower. It. Right. You just get tired. Procrastination is like <laughs> masturbation. <laughs> it feels good at the time, but you're really just fucking yourself. <laughs> you also oh, know where all the sweet spots are, though. That's right. <laughs> right. Is, no that, one does is that where the yeast comes from in the fridge? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Alan said he's a genie in a bottle. Just rub him the right way. Right. <laughs> get it. Yeah. We'll leave that up to Kim. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're we're down to be different. We're down to uh, you know ruffle a little feathers, and I think that that is that will gain. It's going to gain, gain more momentum, right? It will you know push people away? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, in today in in today's society, everybody, you have twenty million people going after the same five bottles yep. of bourbon, right? Like, and eventually, some of them are going to realize, hey, this is not worth it. Easter egg hunts are for children. They're already starting to well, realize I don't know. It. You can put like the little mini bottles inside the Easter eggs. <laughs> right. That's kind of entertaining at some point, but. <laughs> right. That's the only way you can get a bottle of Blanton's is the tiny little, <laughs> the tiny little one in your yeah. stocking. It's like a Christmas it's ornament just, right, that Hallmark yeah. sells. You're like, yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Two ounces. Yes. I, I got a two it. ounce bottle of Blanton's. <laughs> but but I got the letter T. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's a thing. I, oh, that is my joke. 
Wait, was, uh, was it a left-facing horse or a right-facing right. horse? Yes. <laughs> no, this is my joke. It's Thank the SpongeBob you, meme where he's like, I got all the Blanton's corks on a stave. <laughs> just buy that on eBay. My yeah. favorite one right now is uh, Weller. Uh, and, you know, because suddenly Weller is a thing because everybody started calling it poor man's pappy, etc. And, and Weller's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking it. I, I hate that. It was my daily drinker for forever. But right? now they were well, old dusty on sitting on, on the bottom. No, no, first, and, first it was the Heaven Hell Six here was my yes, daily drinker. Yes, yes, yes. Bottom yes. bond. $9. Fantastic. Give it to me. Then, then it became. Give it to me, baby. It? Just, just a little bit. Thanks. Just the tip. On top. Yeah. Just the tip. Just. <laughs> is that an, is that enough? No. Not <laughs> she wants. She so, wants. She wants a little more than the tip. And then, the, and then Weller became a thing. And then it was nineteen dollars a bottle. Just fine. I'll spend ten more dollars. Right. Right. Yeah, it's good. But then it blew up. Yep. But here's what I love about this year that nobody's put together all these. <sighs> fucking bourbon snobs for whatever it's worth. Um, so <laughs> go on Instagram, and I don't know, you know, how many That's people you have face. on your Instagram. And it seems that Instagram is slowly becoming the place for bourbon collectors since Facebook has shut down all their little private groups and all that stuff. But I will have, yeah. let's say, twenty really heavy duty bourbon snobs on my Instagram page. And this year, I've noticed something interesting with Weller. So Weller's supposed to be allocated, it's supposed to be hard to get, and I'm not saying that's not hard to get. What I will say is that I have seen more Weller posts this year than I've ever seen ever before, yeah. and that to some extent, there's that 30% dark hearts, right? There's a lot more Weller out there. It's a lot more commonly available than people think that it is, and I think that there's a, a little magic trick going on there. And I, th I think the only reason nobody's pissed that, like, everybody has Weller at this point because it's no longer a... Do you want to know what part of the magic trick is? Sure. Go anywhere outside of Kentucky. Right, exactly. <laughs> Be and the thing is, like, these, 20, these 20 people, yeah. they don't have common friends. So there's a part of me that's really devilish that wants to just fucking start tagging these guys like oh you think you got something special look at this guy he's got like six cases <laughs> <laughs> you know it's kind of like that moment when two people look at each other and you're like oh there's there's a disturbance in the floor right gonna, he's trying to start a wwe showdown on instagram i am, I am. <laughs> listen we got a good thing don't ruin it right right <laughs> so i will be the first to admit to you that i think that this whole distilling thing for me it's um it's humorous I love what I do. I'm in love with the art of it. Uh, but I think the fact that anyone cares who is making their whiskey or has any interest in the personalities behind it, I think is all all just kind of a, a joke to me. So Toby's going to spend like two hours editing this shit. Right. <laughs> I'm not that yep. kind of girl, Just Matt. run with it. <laughs> you got to commit. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here listening to every word that Alan's saying, and she's like, "No, I, I don't want just the tip." And I'm like, "What the, what the fuck is going on over here?" Yeah, yeah, brunch kind of person. We're I mean, what are you? Our own little podcast over here. Want, Jesus Christ, this is this went from PG-13 to I don't even know what. We today. can talk about the creamy mouthfeel next. Oh, God, it, so as long as as long as I don't say that the. the it's very viscous. <laughs> Toby hates the word viscous because yeah. he says is it, it, it makes him think. Viscous it, or is it? I, I don't. I, I don't understand viscous. how the word viscous makes Toby think of the word jizz. But uh, you also like, can't have <laughs> braces on when you say it, right? Viscous. <laughs> 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 this is so viscous. Viscous is your making. 
So I take the retainer out. <laughs> so not for just the tip, Matt. This shit went south like ten minutes ago. <laughs> right. I don't know why, but <laughs> and I would respond, but I'm not. So I, I, I am about to wrap this thing up a little bit here, but uh, thanks a lot for coming on. This has been an excellent opportunity for us to sit down and talk about the products. Can and we get back to the point of the podcast? Can we do some tasting notes on this real quick on a serious note? Because it is delicious. Absolutely. Sure, yes. By the way. <laughs> Unpretentious. Unpretentious. So, from from an outsider's perspective, I... Jesus What Christ. do I do with my hands right now, guys? I mean, don't, don't hit the mic like a penis, but I mean, get a little closer, man. <laughs> Move out of the way. Thanks, I appreciate. I give you, a little you were hogging a little bit. She's hogging. So, high rye bourbon, love it, love it up front. Got that port finish on the back, real long finish. Mm-hmm. Just not. It's more than the tip. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> There's more to it than that. Yeah, absolutely. But the tip is heavy rye. Yeah. Heavy rye. Yeah. And I don't typically like rye, but I think this is absolutely delicious. But the I, shaft. Uh, but the shaft, <laughs> but the shaft is really where it gets you. <laughs> Just shaft. <laughs> it's like an explosion in your mouth, <laughs> and it lingers there, and it's a good linger. It's very viscous. <laughs> good linger. Has high, a creamy mouth. High in protein. It, it's, <laughs> it's an industry term. Viscous is. Guys. I, I don't. <laughs> I know Toby's so dirty. I, I, we can't take him anywhere. I swear. Um, but yeah, but I like that you're talking I, to him like that. And I, I, Alan and I are the ones so, making all of these terrible jokes. So, so yeah. the, the 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 tip and the finish, no no pun intended. Right. But my yeast joke. Th- there's some really nice cinnamon flavor in here that I got on the front side. <laughs> what? With the rot, I mean, it's kind of like a peppery cinnamon flavor. I, mean, I agree with that. Yes, one hundred percent. And then the poor <laughs> cinnamon. <laughs> What is wrong with you, Matt? Jesus Christ, I can't take you anywhere. Um, and then the finish, like that port finish is super smooth. And it, it is long. I mean, it's, it's a, like... It's, it's a long a, finish. And I like when you when you add the water to it, it opens the rye up up front. And it cuts back on the long finish just enough to where you're like, well, half the bottle later, this is still fantastic. Here's, here's the truth. If Conor McGregor wasn't an asshole and he knew what whiskey was supposed to taste like, this would be it. <laughs> wow. I went there. Can you can you engrave that on the back of this bottle? And if I ever see Conor McGregor in person, I'm going to run like a little bitch. <laughs> but they have to be right-facing horses. I will not do the left-facing horses. You right. guys, I collected all the tops. <laughs> what about a turkey topper? Would you accept for that? Oh, I can't do that shit. How about a donkey? Donkey? Yeah. Whoa. Go for know. a donkey? Oh, we could do a jackass. I mean, Shocker. caribou makes a... A caribou. Why couldn't you do a donkey? Caribou makes a caribou. <laughs> wow. Wait, can you? How can do you, can you, you do it? <laughs> Listen, man. We we we've been drinking. <laughs> yeah, it's we, evident. Yeah, we should say <laughs> like this bottle was full when we started. It's like half a bottle. Yeah. And if literally, you compare the beginning of the podcast to right now. <laughs> to right now. The dark arts. The dark arts kicked in. Redo the introductions, and then you can just start from here. So, <laughs> thanks, Alan. Yeah. Thanks, Jolie. Yes. If people want to get in touch with you, where do they reach out to you? How do they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Start by sending her videos of Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> okay. Hold on. So, what other movies haven't you seen? Oh my. Oh god. Gosh. We're going down this rabbit I mean, hole. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite movie. Okay. 
Yes. The never-ending yeah. story she's yes. seen. Yes. So you've yes. seen the Dark Crystal. Yes. Yes. Okay, These so. are all my favorite movies. Wow. Yes. But you Five somehow and, 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 yes. and you missed Big Trouble Listen, in Little China. I, I'm sorry. What did you your know, mom and dad I, do to you? Did they lock you in a room and not? I grew not up take in you? Los Angeles. There was you know oh, other shit. things going on. Yeah, so, so, so I you know I missed a few things. I apologize. I'm, I'm see this is the problem with growing up with the Midwest. Listen, this is my karma right here. Okay, in the form of Alan Bishop. So the Alan. Yeah. Bishop. Oh, thanks. Thanks for the that. Alan Are you friends Bishop. with him on Facebook too? <laughs> Ma- master distiller, yeah. mastermind master of the dark cards, master taster. I will never call you that, Alan. Please. No, he's gonna put that Please on his business card now. <laughs> never. Good with that. Alchemist is alchemist. what he prefers. That's, we we can go with. Alchemist. I just say, hey asshole, what are you doing today? Yeah, I've seen all the Harry Potter movies, read all the books, so we're good there. You can. Where can they find you, Jolie? Uh, yes. Okay, it, so we it, are. Why do you um, get sidetracked so easily? Yeah, Jolie? It, it, <laughs> some shines up there. Hold on a second. <laughs> She's like squirrel. <laughs> She's like a hunting dog. You know, you take her out, and you're like, shit, look, we're hunting rabbits, and then a squirrel runs by, and she's like, oh fuck, something just went by. Let's go chase that for a little while. <laughs> Um, She's not from Indiana. Spirits of French Lake. No, I am not. For <laughs> sure. For sure. Um, but I, it'll be, it's 20 years this year that I've been here. So um, spiritsoffrenchlick.com, at Spirits of French Lake, at French Lake Winery, um, for all of the business side of things. Um, personally, uh, at The Testarosa on Instagram. Why do you always make fun right. of me for that? What? I was going to say, it's a beautiful red car. It is a and sexy fast, just red like me. car. <laughs> fast, whoa! Yeah, fast and sexy. Yeah. There you go. Right. There you go. So, uh, uh, Alan, you <sighs> try and follow that, buddy. Oh, okay. You ready? Yep. For all of your Hoosier distilling needs, you mm. can come to spiritsoffrenchlick.com. <laughs> also, for all of your Hoosier distilling history, alchemistcabinet.wordpress.com. And I'm on social media. But I don't remember the fucking address. <laughs> Is that the actual address? That would be Maybe. really cool. So. If you put it at, I don't remember the address. He's the Alchemist Cabinet on Instagram. He's Alan Bishop on Facebook. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. See, I'm, now I'm fucking doing your job. Good. That's what he pays you what for. Marketing does. That's what he marketing does. He doesn't pay me. And if you want to come out, tour the facility, try some food, drink some bourbon and other spirits you can come to french lick indiana yes and the address here is 8145 west sinclair we're actually in west baden french lick and west baden are divided by like a stoplight gotcha Um, but it's a resort town so we've got two beautiful hotels there's a ton of stuff to do a casino yeah a casino animal experiences there's go-karts on the other side um Skiing, not fighting? that far away at Paley Peaks. <laughs> cock what, are you, fighting. what are you talking about? <laughs> He's talking shit. Do you know cock are we talking about cockfighting or crossing swords? This is totally different. Both. <laughs> I'm in. Same time. <laughs> so spurs or no spurs? You can come to French Lick, basically. I'm in. And, 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 yeah. and you're a stone's throw away. Yes. And yeah. you can taste great stuff, yeah. eat great food, yes. and have a great time for an entire day. Yeah, oh. distillery tours, tastings, wine tastings. Um, it's our gourmet fucking coffee. Gourmet right. coffee. Yeah, we've hooked up with. Um, it's really good. Brickhouse. Brickhouse coffee out of Greenwood, um, and they've helping. got a they've got a great roasting. They roast on site, and so they're using our barrels: apple brandy, bourbon, 
Uh, I think they did something else. They just took a Malbec, Malbec. barrel from us. Yep. Yep. Um, so we've got a great relationship For with them. For $5, you can also buy a lithograph of My Ugly Face that Jolie will then sign with her yep. own I name. I will, yeah. Does it come with booze? That's maybe. Yeah. Boobs? Booze, booze. Whatever. I mean, yeah. some listen, acronym of we, that. We, we love boobs, but, yeah. you know. Yep. Don't we so, all? Thanks for coming yes. on. We greatly appreciate it. It's been a great conversation. Um, this is Bourbon Barrel Talk, and we're signing off.